Today, he literally ran back and forth to us in the living room. So he's on another level. But we thank God. Um, God is really awesome. He's great and greatly to be praised. Um, you are not here today by accident. You are here because the Holy Spirit had you be here. You're listening today in this service because God designed for you to be here. And so let's just pray. Uh, and Lord, we just thank you um, because, Lord, this is the day that you have made. Thank you, Lord, for this time in your presence this morning, a wonderful time in your presence. And Lord, we ask, Holy Spirit, we invite you to just come in, Lord, and take control for the rest of the service, even as you have been doing from the beginning. We ask for open hearts to receive what you're saying this morning. Lord, I ask that you just speak through me. I'm only a vessel, and it's always a privilege to be used by you. But Lord, let your words come out. Bring life to the hearer. Let people be edified and Jesus be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. God is good. So, um, well, first of all, thanks uh, to our lead pastors, Pastor Judea and Pastor Bimbo, uh, for the privilege to speak today. It's always a privilege, and I do not take it for granted. Um, but I just wanted to, today I just wanted us to continue to key in to the message that has been said from Healthcare Sunday, right? Um, Healthcare Sunday is once in a year when we spend some time to emphasize some things that would help with our health because the Bible cares about our health, our bodies. So the topic for today is you heard the wonderful present. And wasn't that wonderful presentations from this morning for our team? Let's appreciate them once again. Thank you, team. Sister Juliet, Sister Lillian, God bless you. So the theme was early detection saves lives, right? So we think we're, they talked about how detecting some things at the baby stage has a huge impact, whether or not the longevity of a life physically, whether or not a person has a risk for cancer or not. So now we're going to take it down to the spiritual aspect, okay? So let me give you some background. Um, by training, I'm a gastroenterologist professionally. Um, I'm a physician with a subspecialty in gastroenterology. So what I do as a gastroenterologist is, part of what I do, there's so many things I do, we look for colon polyps, right? So Sister Lillian had said it earlier on. So colon polyps are actually growths of tissue in the colon, right? They're there. For some people, a lot of those colon polyps are what we call precancerous lesions. We have a picture of some of them up on the screen. So the top left is what a normal colon should look like. A colon is your large intestine, for those of you who don't know, right? That's what the normal smooth mucosa should look like. But you see those growths, those lumps of tissue all over inside the colon? They should not be there. They're foreign bodies. They're foreign organisms. They should not be caused by some part of it we don't know. Some part of it, Sister Lillian talked about diet, weight, processed foods, too much of red meat, things like that. And the amazing thing about what I've been blessed to do is I get an opportunity to nip those things on the bud before they grow to become anything that could kill a person, right? So those polyps, if you leave them alone, they grow on to become colon cancer. Some of them, depending on the size, either five years, eight years, or 10 years from now. The smaller ones, probably about 10 years. But some of those big ones, probably about 10 years. So what I do as a gastroenterologist, I insert a colonoscope in, I'm able to take a snare and literally just nip those polyps in the bud and just take them all out, right? And what happens? I just, by the help of the Holy Spirit, I just saved a life because that polyp could have killed that person and gone on to become colon cancer. But when it's caught at the roots, at a source, that's the end of it, right? So today, we are going to be talking about those little, little, little things in our lives. Those things that we might not be so much aware of if the Holy Spirit doesn't call us to attention regarding those little things. Those things that if we leave alone, there are things that what they open doors for the enemy to step in with a foothold into our lives and cause destruction. But that will not be our portion in Jesus' name because we're going to be wise, right? We're going to be wise. Solomon's 2 verse 15. So these little things I'm talking about, we're calling them today little foxes. And I'll tell you why. We'll give some background about the nature of a fox. Little foxes. So Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. 
We can look at it in the New King James Version. If we have that up, we can project it on the screen. Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. And I will read. So it says, Catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. So let me give you some context to this before we move on. So in the land of Israel, people had a lot, a lot, a lot of grape vineyards. And so in the spring, you have little foxes if you don't take the proper mechanisms or defenses to keep them off guard that come. And what do they do? They bite off the new shoots of the vine. They actually, they're more destructive than other bigger organisms because they chew at the roots of the vine. And most of the times, they actually kill the vine. Sometimes they're trying to reach for the fruit as it's hanging, the grapevine, but they cannot, because they're small foxes, they cannot actually bite up to get the low-hanging, to get the grapefruit that is not low-hanging. So they grab at the vines from the roots and try to push a grape down. And so foxes are like little pesky animals. They're very little annoying things. And grape growers, a diligent grape grower has to constantly watch and watch and watch and do everything they need to do to prevent these foxes, to catch them and to kill them. Because what happens? The whole vineyard is destroyed if the foxes are let away, right? So they're very, very small animals. If by first glance, you might not necessarily think to give them too much of attention. Um, but yet, that little fox is capable of doing so much terrible damage. They, they burn, not only even the, the vineyard, like chewing the vine, they can burrow holes also in the vineyard and chew them until they wither and they become very unproductive. So back in, even still now, it's common practice for farmers, what they do also to protect is that they build a fence, right, around the vineyard. They are protecting what they own. They are protecting their source of living. And um, usually this fence, back in Israel, they were made of, um, back in the day when the scripture was reading, they were made of rocks, they were made of thorns, uh, they were made of bushes. And this, this fence was actually supposed to keep unwanted animals away. But guess what? Here's the interesting thing. So all the big animals, all the bears, all the lions, all the deers, they can't pass through those big fences, right? Because they keep them at bay. So the larger, the larger animals are actually protected from, the cops are protected from touching the, the larger animals cannot get to where the vineyard is. But the smaller foxes, guess what? Even with those fences, sometimes they find a way to enter the vineyard. How? Through little cracks, through little holes. Sometimes they burrow in between, right? They put a hole in the fence, and they're able to pass through that hole just because they're so little, and to get to the fruit and eat them regardless, even with big fences put up. Wow. That, that's just, you can see where I'm going with this, right? It's always, always the little, little foxes. So the larger predators, like I said, they can just come into the vineyard. <laughs> Everything is, they, they, they cannot come into the vineyard, actually, if the fences are up. But the small, the small foxes, they're the ones who also, they tend to cause larger damage than even their bigger counterparts. Because one, people are not necessarily, if you're not seasoned, if you're not, you don't have the know-how and the knowledge to protect yourself against them. This is like the damage that they do, right? Even on the fences that have been put up. So they're very, very destructive. And by destroying the vine, what they do to access the fruits easily and rapidly, they destroy the vine and the vine is no longer able to produce any fruit. They destroy the entire vine. So what little foxes in our life represent? They represent the small things in our life, right? They represent the things that we often ignore. They represent the little things that go unchecked. It was just one lie I told today. Oh, someone called me on the phone and says, hey, how far are you? You know you're running late. You're an adult. The person is not going to kill you. But let you say, I'm, I'm 10 minutes away. I'm just by the door. You're just leaving your house right now right? <laughs> it's always the little foxes. The little things that on the surface level we think they don't cause any harm, but we dismiss them in our lives as no big deal, but they're the ones that are capable of taking down the entire vine. In life, we overlook the little things. 
But those are the things in our lives that spoil anything that we have of value. Any issue that is unchecked, no matter how small, in fact, especially the small one, is, an, is a hindrance to healthy living. Unchecked issues in our life are the things that stop us from stepping into purpose, into what God has for us, as small as they may be. Small things, they can seem very, very unimportant to you, but they are the things that actually spoil the tender grapes. They are the things that spoil us or hinder us from growing and maturing as Christians. You know, someone, I just recently heard a story about a man of God who, he just so much had a heart for God that there was a church member in his congregation who needed a kidney, right? So everyone has two kidneys. Everyone can survive with one. He happened to be a match for that man's kidney. And this was someone that he had no familiar relationship with. It was not his brother, not his mother, not his son, not his family member, but he chose to give that person his kidney, right? So giving someone your kidney is not as simple as giving someone a bottle of water, right? So you're undergoing a major operation where one kidney is taken out, you're putting yourself to this procedure, and then also if anything happens to that one kidney that you have left, you have nothing to fall back on, right? You have nothing. So literally that person will end up going on dialysis. But he, his heart was just such in a good place that he just couldn't see. The other person was dying from complications of kidney failure, and dialysis itself wasn't doing it, catheter complication relation, uh, from related to the dialysis. And he chose to give this person this kidney. And later on, years down the line, that same man, that same man was caught committing adultery. What happened? Did he just wake up one morning and all of a sudden he committed adultery? What happened? It was the little foxes. It was the little things. There were lost issues, there were thought issues, there were heart issues that even though this man was someone who loved God and he was walking with God and God was using him to do great good works, he had little things that were unchecked in his life. He had little foxes that he allowed to continue to come in and chew in at those vines. And so eventually, his whole fruit was damaged as a result of that. So pay attention to the small things because the small things actually really matter. They reveal the true nature of our heart, right? So I, I would say no one in this room sitting today, I could say it with maybe a 92% confidence, will walk into another room and rob someone at gunpoint. We're not going to do that, right? Even if, if people who have not necessarily said yes to the Lord, some, most people have some kind of moral compass, at least people in this room that I'm speaking to right now. Um, most people wouldn't do that. But what is it, other things that over time has just become okay for you, right? Jealousy, pride, you know, not doing what you're called to do diligently at work, you know, you're supposed to come to work at 8.30 a.m. You've made it a point of habit. Every day, I'm going to show up at least 10 minutes later because that's when my boss comes in. Nobody checks on me anyway, right? <laughs> or we spend most of our work time. I know people, we, we, especially as women, we like to multitask. So we're at work, we're doing different things. But someone is paying you actually to do something at work, and somehow you call in sick from job A so that you can go to job B and make extra money. Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> you do all that, and it, it, it's always, and you, for, for, for us, we say, oh, no, it doesn't matter. I'm just being prudent. I'm just being wise. No, that's dishonesty right there. That is dishonesty. If someone is paying you to be somewhere at a certain time, but instead you, you say that I'm not available, I'm sick during this time so that you can take advantage of something else, it's dishonesty. And for some of us, those are things that we've done over time and we don't even get a check in our spirit anymore because we're used to that. Pay attention to the small things. They reveal, they reveal the nature of our hearts. Let's look at a scripture in Matthew 25, verse 21. This was Jesus giving a parable about a man who was traveling and he was giving away talents to different people, to one of his servants. And so people came, he gave someone a certain amount, he gave someone a certain amount, he gave someone another amount. And everyone came back, and the person with the largest amount did not seem it fits because his amount was large. But look at the person 
with a very small amount. Look at, look at what he did. He went back, he invested, he paid attention to it, and this was Jesus' response. I'm reading in the NLT version, Matthew 25, verse 21. It says, only when you're faithful in small things will God entrust you with greater things. So even with God in the spiritual things, small things matter to him. We are praying for a million dollars in our bank account. You're like, God, you know what? Just bless me with a million dollars. Bless me with a million dollars. You will see what I will do to your kingdom. You know the whole bag announcement that Tanuke came to make earlier on? No, she wouldn't have to come up anymore because I would just give the rest of their amount, right? You say that and you pray that and you come and you make vows and God is saying, okay, I gave you $1,000 last week. What did you do with it? 80% of it was spent on just pleasurable activities. 10% of it was on your spouse. 2% of it was on your child. And 0.00005% was what you decided to give back to me. So if you can now be entrusted with those small things, it's saying, nah, nah, fam. You're, you're not going to do, you're going to do the exact same thing with a, with a lump sum, with a large amount of things that you have re, uh, received, okay? So let's run the read in this scripture. John 15, verse 5. I like this scripture because God talks about, Jesus here talks about the importance of abiding in him, remaining in him, and bringing forth much fruit, right? So John 15, verse 5, I'll just read it quickly. I have it here in the NLT version. It says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Ye, he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth much fruit. We're scrolling down to verse 8 of that same chapter. He says, Jesus is saying, herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So fruit is important to God. The quality of our commitment to Christ is determined by character and the quality of the fruit that we bear. The evidence of it, I'm rephrasing the word I chose, the evidence of our commitment to Christ is shown in the fruit that we bear. So fruit is important to God. Small things matter. They reveal the nature of our heart. So how much more is it not important to carefully watch for these foxes that destroy the tender Christian fruit. The foxes are able to actually take down the whole vine if you leave them alone. For some of us, they're destructive habits. For some of us, there are practices in our life. And they, they're so small that, but they can creep on us and even alter the full cost of our lives if we leave them unchecked. The little foxes. For some of us, they're little sins, right? It's not, sometimes some people, it's not a behavior, it's not a behavior problem, it's not laziness, it's not any of that. It's little sins. So even though you're not saying, maybe like the Pharisee, you can go before God and say, Lord, I didn't cheat yesterday, I didn't lie, I didn't steal. In fact, the homeless man that I passed by my workplace every day, I actually took money aside today and I gave it to him. Um, so it's not the tremendous sins. It's usually the little ones. So my question for everyone today is, what are the things that you're allowing into your life to creep in that are eating away at your passion, your calling, your goals, your dreams, and the fruits that you're supposed to bear for Christ? What are those things? As I'm speaking, I pray that the Holy Spirit is speaking to every single person individually and highlighting those things because everybody has something. Everybody has a little fox they have to intentionally keep bay, right? They have to be aware of. Everybody has something. You know, anything that is dealt with in the small stage is so much easier as opposed to when it's multiplied. Think about weed, right? Right? For someone, for some reason, my husband has this this huge dream that when we retire, both of us and all our kids are gone away, that we're going to move away to a country land and we're going to own a ranch and have cows and animals and raise them. I'm like, huh? 
my response to that is, babe, God has not told me that yet. Let's go and pray. Let's continue to pray. He revealed it only to me, to you. Let him reveal it to me. But, but, but I said that to, I was thinking about so much work that a farmer has to do, how much work you have to do to cultivate even um, the crops, cultivate the land when you're farming. So you're, you're paying attention to the weeds. When the weed is just localized, it's just starting up, it's easy to pluck them out and deal with them as opposed to when you allow the weed to grow and destroy the whole crops. So small issues can become very, very big if we do not address them at their root. So God wants us to be producing fruits in our lives, our children, their fruits also, your relationship with God, the good works he's called to do, they're all fruits. And you have these little foxes that the enemy is sending and that's threatening to devour and to steal and to eat and to cut up those fruit at his root. But they will not be allowed in Jesus' name. We will not nurture these little foxes. We're gonna kill them at their roots early with no remnant left behind. I'm flashing back to when I do a colonoscopy. The polyp, so there are different ways you take out a polyp. But the gastroenterologist doing the procedure has to be careful that when they take out the polyp, they take everything completely from the roots and nothing is left behind. The reason why is because otherwise, any little piece that is left behind, no matter how small, from that polyp can still grow to become colon cancer, even though you took out the big portion of it. So sometimes when a gastroenterologist does a procedure, and maybe because of the size of the polyp, they're not really sure they took out everything. Maybe they left a little bit of remnant behind. They tell the patient, hey, this is what happened. The polyp was really big. It was a challenge. I took it out in small pieces. But just to be safe, I want you to come back in three months. Just to be safe, I want you to come back in six months because we want to take a look at that spot and make sure there is no remnants left behind. So we need to kill these foxes at the root because if not, they grow into big foxes. Small issues become big if we do not address them at their roots. So when I was, um, let's say, like maybe uh, 13, 14, I can't really remember the age. It's been so long ago, maybe 15 um, at most. Um, I used to listen in on my mom do marriage counseling. So marriage counseling sessions, for some reason, took place at our house. Um, and every particular day of the week, there will be, there is an inner, inner room like in our house in the living room back in Nigeria, and then she will have the couple, they will sit down, and of course, they, don't, they didn't know I was there, so there was a place at the back you could hide, literally, and nobody could see you. And me, I was just always, I, don't, I was very nosy as a child. Thank you, Jesus, for deliverance. So me always, I would always go in the corner and hide back and try to listen to what they're saying, especially when they're fighting. I'm like, eh? So this happened, that happened, okay, how did they do it? And my mom never, is later on as we grew up that she knew that she finally, I finally owned up and confessed. But there was this couple one day, they came, they hadn't spoken to each other for one week, right? But they, they honored the, um, the leadership, the pastoral leadership over my mom to say, okay, listen, we need to meet, let's talk, let's, let's, let's go through counsel and let's see what's going on. And so they come and they're bickering and they're bickering and they're bickering. That day, I even came in late to my, my hidden spot, so I didn't even understand what was going on. But finally, when they had, their voices were calm and they were able to talk to them. Guess what the main issue was? You would never believe it. Toothpaste. I kid you not. I was shocked to my bone. It was toothpaste. The, the man, when he takes the share in the bathroom, they put the toothpaste in. He takes the toothpaste and he doesn't put it from the bottom. He takes it from the middle, right? And then, <laughs> and then when he's done, he doesn't cover the cap. He just leaves it right there. And so the woman was whining and whining and whining. According to the man, she uses the word whining. She said, I was just telling him. And then one day after she saw it, then she just went off. Like went off on the man. You never listened to me. You did, 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 did. And then just, it escalated, God knows where, over toothpaste. I, I was so shocked to my core. And then all of a sudden, words are being exchanged, words they cannot take back. And now they show up here for canceling. And then they'll speak to each other for one week over toothpaste. <laughs> small issues. It's always the small issues that become a problem if we don't address them at the root. So God is calling us today to everyone, for us to watch the conditions of our heart, to continue to examine ourselves carefully, 
right? So it's, it's a, even though as we do this medically, so we have a healthcare professional, so he spoke to us um, earlier on about prevention, early detection, saving lives. It's something God is also calling us to do spiritually, right? To continuously be aware of what is going on in our heart. Most bad things happen to people when they look away spiritually, when they're not aware, when they're not conscious, when they're not dwelling, right? When they let little things pass by. That's when bad things happen to people spiritually. So we shouldn't look away. I'm going to give some examples of little foxes. So as I was speaking, my prayer, and I know the Holy Spirit would, would do that or undo it, is speaking to every single one individually and giving them what is in their own life a little fox. But I have some things that I'll go through here that are very, very common little foxes, right, in Christians. So the first one is our thoughts. What do you think about? What do you meditate on? What do you spend time? And I know that on some level, there are some thoughts that you had nothing to do with. They just came into your mind, right? So thoughts can come from yourself. Some of them are from God, right? Because we have the Spirit of God. We have the Holy Spirit. He's giving you a word. And some of them are from the devil, right? So the ones that come from you, you can do something about, right? You can check what you've been feeding in on. You can check what you've been seeing, what you've been listening to, what you've been around, who you're speaking to. What are those things that have influence in your thought life, right? So if you're continuously thinking about chicken and food and some other things, there's something that probably triggered that for you to always continue to think about food, right? Or you're going to somewhere and you're already meditating on what you're going to expect at the event, right? So there's part of that, but there's a part of it that sometimes the devil just throws in thoughts into our lives, into our hearts that we don't necessarily have, we didn't necessarily invite in, but you can do something about that. You can say, get thee behind me, Satan, right? That's what Jesus did when he was tempted. You can say, this thought, I banish you in the name of Jesus. And when you say that, what do you do? You switch. You switch to what God said you should do. Philippians 4, verse 8 to 9, can we put that up? These are the things that God has directed us to think about and meditate on. Philippians 4, Verse 8 to 9, you switch. So it says, and now there, brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice what you've learned and received and everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. And then the God of peace will be with you in Jesus' name. There's a famous quote that we all know, and I'll read it. It says, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. And watch your character, because it can become your destiny. All starts from a thought. All from a thought. Proverbs 23, verse 7, the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Our thoughts have the ability to alter our course of destiny. Our thoughts have the ability to alter the path of life that we walk in. Bad thoughts, when we meditate on that, can deter us from God's plans and purposes that he has from us. We have to watch our thoughts. Second one, I just lumped it all together. I call them heart sins. What are heart sins that I'm referring to? Jealousy. They're the sins that, you know, so when a woman has premarital sex with another man and she gets pregnant, those are the, those that are visible to everyone, right? Because she's carrying the baby. Or maybe she had to go for it. She went for an abortion. She went for, she went down the wrong part, went for an abortion and all that. So those are things that are visible to everyone, right? But some of the things are not, the heart sins, the things I lumped into the category of heart sins are the things that maybe only the people who are close to you or maybe your mentors or people who have, who have that godly authority over you can get a sneak peek of. But for the most part, they can easily be covered up. That's why their heart sinks, and that's why they're the most dangerous of them all, right? Jealousy, pride, lust, anger, selfishness. Jealousy, pride, lust, anger, and selfishness. And I'm sure the list is, is not only that, but these are the main ones that I identified. And let me um, read a scripture. What does the Bible say about anger in particular? Ephesians 4, 
Ephesians 4, verse 25 to 27. I'm reading the New King James Version. It says, Therefore put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Anger gives place to the devil. Another translation says, do not give a foothold to the devil with anger. Right? You say, oh, but the anger was warranted. Yes, <laughs> when you're angry, do not sin. Do not live in anger. Make peace quickly. Don't let the sun go down while you're so angry. Dwelling in anger causes bitterness. What does that do? It gives the devil one foot into your fence, right? You've built up a fence all around you. What's happening? He's found a hole to attach himself into, to creep in, to try to take down what God is already doing or building. Anger gives foothold to the devil. I'll move on. Another thing that could be, this one is more so a sign that we've let like little foxes come in. It's when we lose our wonder or awe of God. We become too familiar with the things of God. God help us. You know, when, if we have a word or admonition from somebody who physically, even in the physical, a natural life we, we respect, let's say the president wants to summon you today and he sent a messenger to tell you a word. You hold that word so dear, with everything that you can, you carry out that action because what? It came from the president. But sometimes God speaks to us. He wakes us up in the night. He tells us things. Sometimes we pretend we didn't hear the first time. The second time he sends his servant. He confirmed the word. We say, no, this person is a false prophet. He sends the third person. You say, no, I just don't like your face. I'm not going to receive from you. The same thing. And we're treating God with contempt. Sometimes it's familiarity. Also, we come into the presence of God and we just take it for granted. We've lost our awe. We've lost our wonder. You know, sometimes I pray a prayer and say, Lord, let me fall in love with you again like it was the first time. Not to say that there is no room for growing in your love and your knowledge of God, but there's just something about that first time awe, you know? When you newly just accepted Jesus into, and you just filled with wonder. The first time you were touched by God, the first time you experienced his presence, you were just like, oh, this is so refreshing. This is beautiful. Lord, you're amazing. Oh my, like the, the, the first time all, you've, you know that you have little foxes sleeping in when you just take the presence of God and disregard it. When you become too familiar with his voice, his word, his presence, and you lose your wonder of God. Little foxes. Another one I have here is lack of discipline and laziness. This one is a, is a behavioral thing. Lack of discipline and laziness. Laziness to do what you've been called to do, right? With some people, you have something that you got evil. You know, there are times God speaks to us and he gives us visions and he gives us a general goal and he's causing us to trust him in each and every step. But sometimes he gets very specific, you know? He gets very specific. Think about even when the ark was being built. God gave specifications for how he wanted it to be built. But some of us even have, God has even been so merciful to us, so we'll not say we're confused. We have specifications of what God has told us to do. He said, hey, my daughter, in the next one week, I want you to fast and pray and pray for X, Y, Z. He named somebody in your heart. He named a family member. He named a relative. He named someone that maybe you're not even that close friends with. And he gave you that instruction. And what happened? Day one, maybe, let's, let's give ourselves credit. Day one, you went fire. 3 a.m., you woke up in the morning. Hey, Lord, let's do it. Day two, okay. Maybe you just mentioned them, mumbled their names while you were waking up asleep. Okay, Lord, bless that. that uh, let whatever she's going through take control of the Holy Spirit and you be glorified. Amen. Day three, that's it, done. Because of what? Laziness. Lack of self-discipline. I'm running out of time, so I'm going to be moving quicker. 
Proverbs 24, verse 32, 32. I have the TPT version listed here. It basically talks about how lazy men does not eat, right? A lazy man, <laughs> a lazy man cannot produce any fruits, right? You see the work that goes into tending a vineyard, right? Or a farmer that, that produces a plant's crops. Do you know the amount of work? They have to wake up early in the morning and tend to those crops. They have to wake up early in the morning and do what they have to do. So if you're lazy and it's not something that you've addressed, you cannot reach the potential God has had for you because those are little foxes, laziness. Worry, right? Worry. What does worry tell God that you do not trust him? That's what he says. He says, look at Solomon. Even all his splendor and his riches, this lilies that you see here, he is, cannot even be as glorious as these lilies are. And how much more, how much more you daughter of Zion, how much you king, king, I have made you a king. How much, you, how much more you queen, how much more you child of God, how much more you who are loved so fiercely by me, who I hold in the palm of my hand, who I held nothing back from, I sent my son, my only son, to die for you, to make sure that you had relationship with me, to bring you back, to bring you back to me. I gave it all that I had. How much more? Why do you go to bed with so much anxiety, worrying about tomorrow, worrying about sometimes the things you have no control over? What are you saying? Saying, God, I don't think you're enough. Worry says, God, I don't think you can do it. Worry says, God, even though I've committed into your hand, I feel like me just processing it through my mind and just giving it some more time might yield a better result than just leaving it leaning at your feet. That's what worry does. Matthew 6, verse 25 to 27. That's the scripture that says, Take no thought for your life or what you should eat or drink or your body or what it shall be put on. Behold, the fowls of the, of the air, they sow not, they do not reap, nor they gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Worry is a little fox that shows we don't really trust God. I'm going to round up with this. How we catch those little foxes. Because we've seen that they're so dangerous, even though they're small. They're so dangerous, it could cost the whole vine to come down, cause it no longer to be a fruit. And so we need to catch them and catch them early. How do we do this? Regular character examination. Every time you have to have a point in your life where you're stopping to assess, to say what's going on. I did this yesterday, that's not normal. What should have happened with that? I found out that when I'm tested, my patience runs just a little bit short. When I have a bad day at work, I come home and I take it out on my husband. Regular character examination. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28 and 31. I won't read that in the interest of time, but it talks about regularly examining ourselves. How do you catch the little foxes? Spending time in his presence. It's probably one of my favorite ones. In the presence of God, what happens is there is an exchange. Because there are some foxes that even though you've identified, you cannot get rid of them on your own. Some of them are pesty. <laughs> They're foxes are known to be deceitful animals. You think you catch them, they come back the other way. You need a power that is higher. You need to lean into the help of the Holy Spirit. And what happens in His presence, there's an exchange. Those things that don't glorify God, they drop off like flies, right? And instead, He cloaks you in His glory. He cloaks you in His humility. You receive patience when you spend more time in the presence. You come out with joy. Have you seen anyone that spent time with God and they came out, mm, mm, mm. no, I haven't. If you've seen, tell me. After a glorious time and encounter with the Father, people are joyful. People are joyful. People who were fearful. You know, in Acts 2, in the great day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, the disciples who were afraid, they came out, they were bold. 
they could not care that they were being imprisoned for the gospel they were speaking. They came out bold. What was their little fox? They were so afraid about what man would do to them, what the government and the law would do to them. All they needed was the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? That was it. Spend time in his presence. Amen. Watch him pray. Watch him pray. You can't be a Christian and not have a powerful prayer life. You become easy prey, a target to the devil. You know, even though the devil is defeated, he's a foe who has refused to accept his defeat, even though he's already done. So what he tries to do, he tries to find people who are not sure, <laughs> who are not sure of the areas that Jesus has already won the battle and say, let, let me try, let me try. But when you're watchful, when you're sober, when you're vigilant, when you pay attention, you identify that and you nip it in the bud. You don't have to wait for five people in your family to have the same diagnosis, the same disease, for you to realize that it's time to wake up. And I need to say, not on my watch. Not on my watch can this happen in my family anymore because I am a child of God and I have the lineage of the blood of Jesus. You need to be sober. You need to be vigilant. You know, when the people of Israel were building vineyards, they always had a tower. There was a tower in the middle of the vineyard and this tower was tall. And what was the purpose of the vineyard, of the tower in the vineyard, was what? To keep watch. So even though those fences are being built up, even though they've done everything you do to protect the, the, the vines from the, the, the big animals and foxes, everything you need to do, you always need to be watchful. You always need to keep watch. Be sober, be vigilant. This is because your adversary, the devil, <laughs> roams like a roaring lion, walking about, seeking for who to devour, not me, not my family, not anybody that I am connected to. Why? Because I'm keeping watch. I'm keeping watch and praying. Everyone, you're called to be a watchman. You're called to be a watchman. You're watching out for these little foxes. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Finally, in terms of how to catch these little foxes, I sort of alluded to it when I talked about spending time in His presence. You need to ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. Because guess what? By you, yourself, and I, you're probably blind to your own little foxes. You know? Except you have maybe sometimes spouses, siblings, people who are close to us, close friends. Um, sometimes mentors are able to, with the help and wisdom of God, gain into that. And sometimes even when they tell you, you don't even accept yourself anyway. <laughs> you say, no, no, no. That's not, that's not me. You don't know me as much. That's not. But it's the Holy Spirit who works in our hearts. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals them to us. You know? And so continuously, always, we have to invite the Holy Spirit because He's a sweet and gentle spirit. He won't come in uninvited. He comes in when you give Him permission. And so what is God calling us to do as we hear this? To say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need you to show me those little foxes I've led into my life. I need you to show me those things that don't bring you glory that are in my life because it's my desire to always please you. So as I end with this, um, I want us to just pray that prayer. Every head bowed. This is a personal time of talking to God. We're praying the prayer that David prayed. He said, Lord, search me. Search me, God. Search me, search me. Ah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Invite the Holy Spirit in. Say, search me, Lord. If there is anything in me that doesn't bring you glory, everything in me, anything in me that doesn't bow to your Lordship, Jesus, anything in me that doesn't let me bear fruit to be used for your glory. Lord, I submit myself to you to remove those things by the power of your spirit. 
For some people, the Lord is performing heart surgery. And the reason why it's heart surgery, because some of those things, the roots have gone so deep that literally it needs a spiritual operation to cut them and take them out. The roots have gone so deep. But we thank God because there is nothing that is impossible for him. Don't say, Lord, I've dealt with this for too long. I can't get rid of it as part of me. No, it's not. You're a new creature. All things have passed away and you have become new. The Lord has made you new. And you carry the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And so because of that, because you have that same power that rose up Jesus from the dead, he's more than able. Ah, thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you search our hearts, oh God. Empty us, oh God, of vain ambition, of deceit. Empty us of self. Empty us of laziness. Empty us of vain thoughts, of thoughts that have no business being there, thoughts that don't bring you glory, that is not right, that is not pure, that is not of good report. Ah, empty us, empty us, Lord. We submit ourselves before you, O oh God. Lord, we want to be a fruit for your glory. We want to remain in you. We want to abide in you. And so, Lord, we give you permission even today that those things be removed from our lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. And, Lord, instead, fill us up with you, God. Fill us up with more of you. Ah, Holy Spirit, we just want more. After tasted of you, Lord, we want more. The hunger is there for more. And so, Lord, we ask, as you strip us off of this chaff, as you speak, strip us off of dead weights, of the things that don't edify, that don't bring you glory, the things that present themselves as little foxes in our lives, that instead, Lord, that place will not be left void. There will not be a vacuum there. Because instead, Holy Spirit, fill us up with you. We receive more of you today. Ah, more of you, oh God. More of your presence, more of your power. Ah, more, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Before I go, I really quickly, I just also want to pray for every single person who needs a touch from God for healing. Um, today is Healthcare Sunday, and we physicians, we do what we do on the natural end. We do what we do with medications and all, but I know someone who is a divine healer. I know someone that just one touch, sickness and diseases bow to the power and authority in the name of Jesus. So I want to invite this morning every single person, you have a disease, a sickness, whatever it may be. It may be a long-term issue. It may be a new issue, pain in your back, pain in your head, headache that just won't go away. You're taking multiple medications for, for, it, uh, for it. Heart issues, lung issues, tumors or growth that the doctor has diagnosed with you. I just want to invite you to come forward today because the presence of God is here. The power of God is available to heal. So don't be shy. Please, please rise up, come forward. And the rest of the church can just rise as we even would pray. Um, I'm going to have the social ministers and the, and the ministers and the pastors come forward to pray also. So anyone who's sick in your body, anyone who has anything they're taking medications for, and you believe in the power of God to heal you and to completely set you free, this is an invitation from God. Please come forward. Please come forward. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Our Zozo ministers and our pastors, please help me this morning. You're going to walk around. You're going to lay hands. But before anybody even comes to lay hands on you, the person who called you forward is Master Jesus. And he's here. And just one touch from him changes everything. You know, like the woman with the issue of blood, just one touch, and she was made whole. And so the master is here to touch you. The master is here to address this situation. And so in the name of Jesus, we're going to pray that sicknesses and diseases would leave your body right now by the power in the name of Jesus. 
before anybody touches you, begin to name that disease, name that sickness, name that heart condition, whatever it is, name that mental health issue and say, in the name of Jesus, I speak to you by the power in the name of Jesus, leave my body, leave my body. And then the ministers are walking around to agree with you with what the Lord is already doing. Ah, thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, because by your stripes, by your stripes, healing is made available. By your stripes, we are healed. By your stripes, we are restored. By your stripes, we are made whole. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. We speak to cells. We speak to body cells in the name of Jesus to be restored to function. We speak to tumors and command them by the power in the name of Jesus to shrink. We speak to long-term conditions, to diabetes, to high blood pressure, to things that keep you up at night, to anxiety. By the power in the name of Jesus, leave. Leave right now in Jesus' name. Ah, Thank you, God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I just ask, but let your healing power just flow over every single one this morning. Every single person here, Lord, oh, Lord, touch them. Touch them, Holy Spirit. Balm of Gilead, we invite you in. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence in the name of Jesus. Every yoke is broken in the name of Jesus. Yoke of sicknesses, you were broken in the name of Jesus. And we decree that the people of God are set free in the name of Jesus. We kill every cancer cell by the power in the name of Jesus. You don't have permission to abide in this body. You don't have permission to rest in this body. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so cancer cells die in the name of Jesus. If you're watching online, please also tap into what's going on here. The Lord is doing a, a healing work right now in this place. And He's visiting you even in your house, in your living room, in your office, in your workplace. So just tap into us and say, Lord, thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing in me. Thank you because I'm restored. I'm made whole in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we bless you. We bless what you're doing in the lives of your children. We bless of what you're doing in the life of your sons and daughters. And thank you for wholeness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because healing is your portion. Thank you, Lord, because you are restored and they are made whole in the mighty name of Jesus. And Jesus, thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give Jesus praise. If you've been prayed for, you can just make your way back to your seat. If not, you can just remain briefly. One of the ministry team will just touch you as we continue with the order of service. But if you've been prayed for, please just go back to your seat. Hallelujah. Amen. We give Jesus praise. Hallelujah.